to share. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon them this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you fill our hearts this morning, that we're able to hear from you, that Peter and I are able to speak from you, and that the exact revelations that need to come to each individual would come into their hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody. So, I, this, this is pretty personal to my heart because the inspiration for this message came out of a place of revelation with the Lord. Um, I was just sitting on my living room floor, <laughs> spending time with him, and I just felt like he started piecing some of these things together for me, and yeah, and then we started to pick it apart a little bit more and dive in. Um, but if any of you know me, I have, especially in the past, dealt with legalism and just trying to earn what Jesus so freely gave to us. And so I've, like my whole life, kind of been in this cycle, just as a Christian, just trying to do the right thing, trying to um, follow all the scripture, trying to just um, do what God has called me to do. And I oftentimes end up exhausted and burnt out and, and it doesn't end up bearing the fruit that scripture says it does. So I think oftentimes we read scripture as um, just something for us to add to our to-do list and then we try to do it but we don't always do it very well. But in reality, I think a lot of what scripture is saying to us is talking to us about our identity and about the character of God, who he is and who we are in Christ. So it was one of those um, days, it was like a few weeks ago, and I, I don't know if I was necessarily feeling down or anything like that, but kind of out of the blue while I was just worshiping him, I just heard him say, did you know that the lamb was spotless and without blemish? And I was like, yeah, yeah, like what are you talking about? <laughs> and so I um, had a conversation with God and he started to reveal to me that the sacrifice in the Old Testament that they would bring was a spotless and blemished lamb. And so he started to reveal to me that because Christ died on the cross, because he became that perfect lamb for us, and he was slain for us, that we actually have become that sacrifice, that living sacrifice, that spotless and blemished and holy in his sight. And so we're going to pick that apart a little bit. Um, but that initial revelation was just this reality that we, we aren't just forgiven. We aren't just made new and perfect in his eyes. 
We are the representation to the world of God's forgiveness. We are the representation of the world or to the world of him washing away sin. Because that's really what the the sacrifice the lamb was. The people who were sinful brought a symbol that that perfect lamb as and that sacrifice of that lamb became the symbol and representation of their sins being washed away, that they were forgiven by God. And so because of Jesus' sacrifice, he is the one who washed all those sins away, but to the point where it's, it's, we become that representation to the world. And so Romans 12.1 talks about the living sacrifice. And I think oftentimes when I've read this verse, I read it as um, live sacrificially. And we'll get into how important that is and what that all entails. But I think when we read it that way, it actually waters it down a little bit of what the power of what this is actually indicating because the key to really live sacrificially is to read it how we believe um, Paul is indicating here. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so I often have read that as, okay, so I need to sacrifice. I need to do all these things. I need to give up all these things in order to become holy and pleasing to God. And I'm not saying that sacrificing and giving up things isn't a good thing to do, um, but it always left me feeling like I was never giving enough. I was never, I was never enough. The song we sang talking about we could never know how much it cost because we couldn't and we could never pay that. And so sometimes it ends up being this endless cycle of always just trying to fill fill this bucket of sacrifice of, okay, here's another sacrifice, here's another thing, here's another thing. Hopefully it'll be holy and pleasing to God. But in reality, what we believe that um, what's trying to be communicated here is that it's saying that you are holy and pleasing. You are that sacrifice. It's not saying to sacrifice, which that's good to do. We'll talk about that. But it's saying you are the sacrifice. And so what that means is you are the representation, like I've said, of his forgiveness, of his mercy, of his love. You are the representation of being holy and pleasing and without blemish in his sight. And I believe when we realize that, then we're able to live a life that's so full of giving of ourselves. Because it no longer becomes about, okay, how can I get, how can I be holy and pleasing in my own strength and effort? It's, this is the identity, this is what Jesus' blood 
washed away. This is the identity that he gave me, that it's not our blood that's shed anymore. We're the living sacrifice, which seems like kind of a paradox. But what that means is his blood is the one that was shed for us and that covers us, that washes us. So what that means is all the sin is gone. We're without blemish and holy in his sight with our identity. And we represent that to the world. And the altar, the altar isn't small anymore. The altar is this world. And we now, every place that we are, become that representation, that portrayal of the mercies of God that revealed his forgiveness, his washing of sins. And I, I know I keep repeating this, but like I've repeated this, we've talked about this for hours and just like how if we truly understand and get this truth, if we understand the identity that God has given us, then those things that we are struggling with, those things that before we felt like we kept having to sacrifice, end up becoming something that is just washed away in the holiness of who he is, who he is in us. And when we walk in that confidence, we're able to actually reveal him to people. We're able to reveal the goodness of God. We're able to bring salvation because it no longer is, is showing the world, oh, well, I, come, come join us because you'll have to like sacrifice, you'll have to try really hard, you'll have to work, and it is hard. It is difficult sometimes. But when you realize the new identity that you were given, it's, it's no longer something that's impossible. He makes it possible. And I think a lot of times the reason why we were afraid of being confident in the identity God has given us is because we're afraid that we'll become prideful. But the reality is pride is when we're closing our heart to God actually being the empowerment for us. And so if you think about it, just saying, okay, I'm just going to sacrifice. I'm not going to see myself as his holy sacrifice. I'm just going to keep doing this thing that I'm trying to do. That actually essentially is pride because we are trying to do it in our own effort and not actually receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the reality, is when you realize you've received a new identity that you didn't earn, that you didn't make, you, it's hard to be prideful. Because there's no way that you could be that in and of yourself. So, I don't know if I kind of got on a tangent there, but if you want to... Oh, it's so good. Um, so, Naya just started talking to this about this to me one day, and she's like, did did you see this? Look at this verse. Um, you know, you, we are the living sacrifices. And it was like a, well, you know, one of those moments where you've read a verse your whole life, you've seen it a hundred times, and suddenly you see something that you hadn't seen there before. And oftentimes it's pointed out to you by your wife, which is awesome. Um, there's always wisdom, um, wisdom in your wife. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so when I, when I first heard that, I, I started thinking about that idea that Paul is, is talking about. Because um, I, like many people, like Linnea is saying, um, I heard that verse and I saw the word sacrifices and I heard it through my English lens. Uh, and sacrifice in the, in the English language is one of those kind of weird words where we think we know what it means, but it can, it can mean a lot of things, right? Um, so we can say, you know, we can use the word sacrifice in, in different contexts, right? We can say um, someone, you know, a soldier sacrificed themselves in the line of duty. That's, that's a very distinct image, right, of, of you know, grit and strength and fearlessness, right? Uh, but we can also say we sacrifice for our children, or we can say we sacrifice for our jobs, or we can sacrifice um, for our church. And that's a different picture. That's me, you know, giving my time, perhaps, or that's me giving my money. Um, that's a little different than perhaps giving your life. Um, or you can say, I've had to sacrifice uh, dining out uh, regularly in order to uh, pay my bills. Um, their sacrifice, it's more of a, you know, it's, it's an exchange of things. <laughs> uh, there's a relativeness there. You're giving a little, but you're getting something better later on. Um, so we use sacrifice in multiple different ways, but here Paul um, is using the, sac the word sacrifice as a, as a noun. It's a distinct picture of the ritual lamb on the altar, like Nia's talking about here. Um, and the word he uses is the word thusia. There, there's your Greek word for the day, thusia. And it's a noun, and it means that offering. Um, another way we could say it, we use the word sacrifice. We could also just use the word Offering, the thing you lay on the altar, um, and in the Old Testament context, that would be a goat, a lamb, or an ox, but we usually think of that pure, spotless lamb, right? Um, and sometimes that, even that image kind of trips us up, right? We start thinking about animal sacrifice, and we kind of, our heads go to all sorts of different places, which is unfortunate, um, but it's, it's sort of a reality because we're so far removed. We've, I've, I mean, I've never sacrificed a lamb. Have, have you sacrificed a lamb before in your life? No. Uh, I don't know if any of you have. If you have, maybe then you have a little more uh, experience than I do. But um, this is something that I've had to, you know, work through. Um, ancient rituals are something that are, that are very foreign to us. Um, but if we read the Bible, um, it's not, uh, sometimes we imagine that it's this, this idea that God is this angry um, overlord and that we need to appease him by killing something. The Lord is only appeased by death, right? And we need to, we need to kill something off so he doesn't kill us, is <laughs> sometimes the conclusion people come to. Um, but um, that's not actually the case if you read the Old Testament picture. The Old Testament picture of the world is that humanity... Um, is plagued with evil, it's plagued with darkness, it's plagued with violence. Um, we're destroying God's good world, it says. Um, that we, he made it good, he made us to be good, but we decide to not live with him, not obey him, and do our own thing. And our own thing, it's not good. <laughs> it's dark, it's evil, it's destructive. Um, but the story is, is that God doesn't give up on humanity. God says, you know what, I love this humanity. Even though I see that they've rejected me, even though I see all this evil and darkness and violence, I still want to be with them. But the trouble is, is God's goodness is so powerful that if his goodness comes in contact with evil, evil's gone, which isn't, you know, a great circumstance. It's like, oh, I want to love you, and poof, you're gone because you're so full of evil. Um, so something, something needs to occur, and the way that God sets it up is this, I, is this ritual, <laughs> this ritual of animal sacrifice. 
Um, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to provide you something. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, a pure lamb. That pure lamb that you take from your fold, that's not your pure lamb. That's God's pure lamb. He gave that to you. <laughs> you didn't create that lamb. You didn't create that goat or that cow. That's something that God provided into this world. Um, and so when you take that lamb and you bring it to the temple, you're bringing something that was given to you. And when that blood is shed from that lamb and that blood spills over that altar, what you're seeing isn't just the, lamb, the blood of a lamb. You're seeing the blood that God has given for you. That's God's life. In the Old Testament, blood often um, represents the idea of life. So when the lamb dies, its life is spilled out. And it says that the priests actually had to take the blood and they sprinkled it all over the altar. They sprinkled it in the room because it's God's life being uh, made manifest in that room. It's a place where God's life can dwell with his people. Um, and so what we get is then the, the temple picture isn't this picture of appeasing God with death. It's actually bringing God's life into the world. There's a trade that's going on. <laughs> the lamb um, is God's life being given to humanity so that, um, and then our death is actually put. The death and the violence that we deserve is put onto the lamb. There's that exchange. So when we see the lamb, we see the death and destruction, but it's not exacted on us. Something pure and holy takes it for us and his life comes out and spills into our world. And then God and man can exist in the same space. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, but the thing is, is in the Old Testament, it makes it pretty clear that the le- there's nothing special about the animal that's being killed. <laughs> um, the lamb doesn't actually physically take your sin. Um, there's, some, there's an idea that's being proclaimed. Um, there's an idea that only God's life <laughs> can defeat the death in this world. It's only God's provision for you that can defeat the darkness and evil. It's not humanity that's going to beat its own evil. It's going to be God's life that's going to beat our death. Um, And so God can dwell in a world where sin, even though sin and darkness reigns, God can be in the midst of his people. That's the idea of this image of sacrifice. So this image of sacrifice isn't about us doing something. It's actually about us receiving from the Lord his life. That's what sacrifice always represented. Um, And so when he says, present yourselves as a sacrifice, um, and it's interesting, in the Greek, we say living sacrifices, but in the Greek, it's actually present your your bodies as a sacrifice. And so if you're reading that sentence, um, you're you get kind of a moment of pause. Oh, that's, that's, that's not good. Uh, if, if you're, if you're, so you're imagining yourself, you're the lamb, and you're being led to the temple. You see the temple, and you go, uh-oh. <laughs> this isn't good. Um, they slay, because they, they slay the lamb at the temple door. The lamb doesn't even make it all into the temple. He's dead before he gets in there, um, and then he's laid on the altar. Um, it's not good. So, to present yourselves as a sacrifice um, is, is not a great place to be. But when you present yourself as a sacrifice and you're a sacrifice that's living, oh, you made it past the door. Oh, good. It's <laughs> a good thing. Um, and not only, you, you're, you're walking through the temple court. You're still going. Oh, this is good. Um, maybe they're... I guess maybe later. No, you're going into the Holy of Holies. You're going right in to the place where God dwells. You're standing on that altar, and it's no longer a dead animal laying there 
you know, with the blood spilling out. You're standing tall. You're standing proud. You're standing with the sonship shining off of you. The glory of the Lord is all about you. It's God with you. It's, it's a fantastic uh, uh, triumphal image. I've been, I've been using that phrase over and over as we've been talking about this, that um, to present yourself as a triumphal lamb standing there, it's, it's a complete subversion of, of, of the image, the image of something dead laying there and something standing there living. It's um, if, especially if you were an Israelite, you've been doing this ritual for a thousand years, suddenly the lamb, he's alive. He doesn't have to be dead standing there. He's living with God. Wow. Um, it's something that, that's been arresting me. I keep thinking about it. I keep saying, that's me. That's me standing there, proud and courageous. I don't have to be dead on that altar. I'm standing alive. Um, so I've had two images in my head, is that sometimes, uh, and it's about the way we relate to God, right? The way we think about our relationship with God. Um, one image is that we have to come to God bringing something that's dead. And for uh, some of us, that might be our works, our, you know, our personality, our, our, our inherent goodness, um, and it's something that's it's heavy, it's a load, and sometimes that's the way we think about sacrifice. It's this, oh, it's this, you know, you just feel that, oh, it's, it, it feels like a weight, it feels like a burden. I mean, I'm, a, a dead creature, they're not, they're not like, oh, yeah, that's real nice. I mean, it's like a, oh, you know, it's, a, it's heavy to carry a fully laden, pure, woolly white lamb who's dead. It's just laying in your arms limp. That's, that's a long way to go. You carry it from the temple court all the way to the altar. Um, that's a journey. And that's something that I think a lot of us feel when we come to the Lord. Is we're, we're, we have to bear something, and then we have to put something in between us and the Lord. All right, here's my, um, my Christian duty in between me and you, God. This is the only way I can come to you is if I come to you in the terms of me feeling good. I don't know how many times I've messed up. And I felt like I couldn't come to the Lord. I felt like I was distant from the Lord. I felt like I had to carry some sort of uh, penance for the Lord for a while before I felt like I could enter into his presence once again. So we have that image. Um, but Paul invites us here um, to present ourselves differently. He, he asks us to do something that's kind of scary, actually. Instead of putting something in between us and God, he asks us to actually be the thing that enters into his presence, that enters into relationship with him. Um, and we use that phrase a lot, you know, relationship with God. Um, but in the ancient Israelite context, that's a frightening thing. The thing that's sitting before, in between you and God is dead. I mean, that's, that's alarming. <laughs> you know, to enter into the Holy of Holies, you had to tie a, you know, a rope around the, the, the priest's ankle because he might get struck down. You know, you have to pull him out. It's, uh, the presence of the Lord is... is could be terrifying to people. And to say that you could be with him, you could be like him, um, is, it's, it's something, it's revelatory, it's startling. It's something that I don't know if we, we, always, we always understand in our, in our own thinking. And so to be that lamb, to be standing there, man, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I pray that we all, we all find. Um, that we really recognize what that means to be like Christ, to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit poured into us, to be walking with him, our eyes on him, that there is nothing standing between me and God. There is no death between me and God because Jesus has removed 
that death. And he now stands with us, in us, around us. And just the reality that there was an exchange that was made. That in the Old Testament before Jesus came, it was the sinful people that brought that dead lamb before the Father or before the the altar. But what Jesus did, which is astounding, is he became sin who knew no sin. He took that sin upon himself and he was the one who presented us as the lamb, the living lamb before the Father. And I don't know about you, but I'm still chewing on that, re- that revelation of that exchange that Jesus presents us before the Father. That's just so amazing. And just along the lines of um, Peter mentioned, like, presenting, like, these dead things, um, and carrying these dead things. And I think, like I mentioned, (laughs) we, we couldn't count the cost of the sacrifice of Jesus. We, we, we could never pay him back, no matter how seemingly perfect we were. And so a while back too, I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart about this and he wanted me to shift my perspective from owing him essentially, because I mean, if we're honest, we really do like owe him everything. But instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to do this to pay God back. I'm going to do this to, to pay him back, essentially. When you're trying to pay someone back, like if you um, have a debt collector <laughs> trying to uh, get you to pay what you owe, the reason you pay them back and try, you just want to get rid of them. You don't want that debt collector to keep knocking at your door, calling you continuously. And so you're not, you're not paying them because you're like, let's be friends. Let's connect. Let's, you know, oftentimes when you owe something and you're trying to get it paid off, you're doing that so that you clear your name, so that you're able to provide separation between yourself and that person because when you when you owe something to someone you still have this tie or connection that you're you're still needing to pay them or be in communication with them i'd say that when you owe somebody something they're your master they own you but when you pay them off you own you you can you're separated you're mm-hmm. independent of that person so it's not, it's not bad to think that we owe God, but let's stop trying to pay him back, I guess is what I would say. Let's stop trying to add all these things to try to distance ourselves or say, okay, now I think maybe I've done enough for you, God. Now maybe I've filled my quota. 
Now maybe I'm in the next level of Christianity. Instead, to realize that because he's given us everything, there's no longer a debt to be paid. It's this this gift, this huge gift, that if we truly receive, that we're not living, this Christian life isn't trying to pay him back for what he did. It's revealing what he did and releasing the presence of his goodness and his glory through who he's created us to be in that new identity that we've received from him to reveal that gift, to proudly um, stand on the altar like the triumphant lamb and to say, your sins are washed away. Look at what God's done with my life. Look how he's changed me. Look how he loves me. Look how I am made new. This can be for you too. And I loved our, our worship this morning. I think our worship perfectly dovetailed with some of the things we're, we're talking about here. And we were declaring that this morning, weren't we? That we, that Jesus called our names, each and every one of your names. You can think of your name there. Jesus called my name, Peter Coffin. He called your name, Coffin. And we got to run out of the grave. We got to run out of death into his life, into his glorious day we sang today. Uh, and I wonder if we really believe that. I, I, I think about it when I, I was saying, do I believe this? Do I really believe this is my core of my being, that I'm running out of the grave? Does every part of me know that? Maybe sometimes there's parts of us, our brains know it sometimes, our, maybe our hearts know it. Um, sometimes I think my face doesn't know it. <laughs> sometimes I have a very grave face. And sometimes I need to get my face to run out of that grave, Right? Sometimes my mouth doesn't know it. I, I, I was thinking about that this morning, that the things we say, the way we present ourselves to those around us, our families, uh, the world at large, um, that's much of the way when we're talking about presenting ourselves as glorious, uh, living holy lambs, um, that's going to be, that's going to affect the way we, we talk about things, right? Um, we're going to have to tell our mouths to run out of that grave into the light and the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, as I was sitting there, uh, I was thinking about um, uh, something I heard Gerald Durstein say once. <laughs> this isn't part of what we planned on, but uh, I was thinking about as we were standing there singing. Um, he said, you know, it isn't biblical to say ouch. And everybody goes, oh, really, Gerald? And he says, no, it's not, it's not biblical to say ouch. You, you should, instead, you should praise the Lord. Every, and so every time you stub your toe, you still, oh, Hallelujah. Um, and I've thought about that um, as I've, the last few months I've been working over at the, the lumber yard here, the lumber treatment plant, um, and I'm, I'm lifting, lifting uh, posts all day. And there's been a number of times I've dropped the post onto my toe, and it's, um, it, it didn't feel good. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable <laughs> for me. Um, and I remember there was one particular time I dropped it, and I thought, and Gerald Durstein came to mind. Usually when you drop something on your toe, Gerald Durstein doesn't come to mind, but he came to mind. <laughs> and he said, don't say ouch. Say, thank you, Lord. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I'm feeling good. <laughs> but, you know, I had a good laugh about it. And I was like, man, you know, that. I had a moment with the Lord when I could have been, you know, saying other things into the, into the void, whatever. 
Um, but I, well, I was thinking about what Steve talked about this morning. He talked about um, the things we see in the headlines, right? The, the things going out in the world, um, the things going on right here at home. You know, we think about the gas prices. And I wonder what we would do, what the world might look like if um, when we felt the pain uh, of seeing things in the news, if we didn't say, oh, ouch. Instead, we said, Jesus is good. Instead, we said, the holiness of the Lamb of God is going to transform this world. Um, when we see the gas prices, we're filling up the gas prices, and it feels painful to put in the amount of money you're putting into that big truck of yours. Um, instead of going, oh, this is hurting me, say, I am blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the holiness of the Spirit flowing through me. I have everything I need. I trust in the Lord, just as those in the Old Testament trusted that the Lord's life was going to be there for them, that he had provided the lambs for them, just as he provided Jesus for us, and he, Jesus is in us every day. His provision, his life, is what reigns in this world. Not any death. Not the death of high gas prices. Not the death of Russian missiles. But the life of Christ rules and reigns. And we need to let our lips say it. We need to let our faces know it. We need to let our spirits know it every day, saying, Jesus' life lives. Whatever I see in the world, I declare an alternate truth. Whatever is happening, the truth is this, that Jesus reigns. Um, we're looking at, you know, Romans here. And Romans, this is all over Romans. I won't go into all the places this is in Romans. Um, but one of my favorite things um, uh, in Romans is in Romans 8. And if you look at Romans 8, 21, it says that... Um, that there's an earnest expectation in all of creation um, that is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, right? Maybe we know this verse. And because of that, the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty, just as the children of God are. Um, so when we walk and when we speak, we're speaking light and life. Yes, that is so good. And I feel like Peter just gave you application of the how. How do I represent myself as a living sacrifice? And because we know that's the identity of who we are, so there's nothing to do to become that, but right after it talks about living sacrifice in Romans 12, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's, that's what you were talking about, is, is renewing our minds to believe who we are, who God says who he is, and who we are, and what we represent to the world, and how we release that. It's not we have to try to work and earn and sacrifice to release that, but we renew our minds to believe who God says we are, and we're able to release that to people. And then that idea of sacrifice, um, the way we think about it, like you said in English, it is still a good thing, sacrifice. But when we think so much about the sacrifice of us giving, it's more focused on what we're giving up, the lack, 
what we feel like we're losing instead of the abundance of God. So that's just why we want to shift our perspectives instead of thinking of this Christian life of just continually bringing like dead sacrifice. In reality, there's such a great love relationship. There's such an abundance that there's nothing that we wouldn't do for the Lord. And there's nothing he wouldn't do for us. Yeah. And... Man, it's such a, a freedom to know who we are in Christ. This world right now, they're, they're desperate. They're desperate. You just, you just read the headlines just like Steve was saying, and it's like a burden. You just see it laid over America, laid over the world, this burden. And people are desperate for, they're looking, who's got freedom? Who's got the freedom? Who, who knows who they actually are? We're in, a, we're in the midst of a, a cultural movement where people are desperately seeking to know who they are. They're asking, what does it mean to be a person? What is, it, what is my identity grounded in? They're desperate to know, who am I? They're desperate to know where, where true strength lies. They're desperate to know what's true and genuine in this world. Um, there's, you know, that's the movement we're seeing in, this, in America right now, is people, they're not, they're not going to take just any old truth. They want something genuine and real, something that's going to touch the very core of their being. Um, and we know who that is. We know that the reality of the spirit within us is the only thing that can deliver all those things, that can bring freedom and light and life and hope. People are they, they're desperate for hope right now. They're desperate for something. Um, and they're going to cling to something. Um, so... And sometimes what we want to do is we want to be the Old Testament. We want to go out and we want to kill the world and drag it into the temple and throw it on the altar and say, look, God, we brought you the world. <laughs> we brought you all the sin and the darkness and the evil. Um, but I think what God wants to do instead of going out to break down the world, he wants us to break open the curtain so that they, when they peek in, they see, wow, look at all that hope. Look at all that freedom. Look at all that joy. Look at them standing on the altar of God. They're triumphant. They're glorious. <laughs> They're courageous. They're excited. They're full of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're full. They're full. They're full. They're not hungry. They're not desperate. They're not destitute. They're not half empty. They're not dragging themselves through life. Look, they're full of the Spirit of God. Yeah. <laughs> so even hearing all of that in closing here, I know... It can be easy to hear all of these wonderful things, and this is who you are, and this is who God says you are, and this is who he is. But if you're anything like me, sometimes you start having those little doubts come in and say, well, I don't feel like that. Or you should have seen me yesterday. I wasn't representing the lamb. And the reality is, if Jesus took that sin and washed it away, then we can boldly come before the throne of grace as that holy and blemished lamb. Not Again, it's not because of anything we did or didn't do, but in that place of understanding your identity, you are broken free from those things that you did yesterday. You're broken free from those thought patterns as we begin to renew our minds in the identity God has given us. 
And so I know it can be hard to think. So the, the reaction isn't, okay, I need to do all these things in order to try to become that lamb. But it's, I need to just come before the throne and be reminded and washed in the blood of the lamb's sacrifice so I can know and represent with my words and my thoughts what God has already done in my heart. So you want to close sure. So why don't we close in prayer here. Father, <laughs> Father God of the holy, <laughs> of all holiness, of all goodness, who rules over the universe, we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to be king over all the world. And we declare it today. Um, we declare at all the death that we see in this world that Jesus' life reigns supreme, that there is nothing that can taint that, there is nothing that can poison that, that when we go out in this world, we bring your glory, your heaven into this world. Uh, there are those who think that their power lies in all the death and destruction they are creating, but we say that where we go, where we speak, that your light and life will reign and that they will see the life and the glory and the power of God wherever we go, that we would bring heaven onto this earth, just as you prayed, Jesus, that we would see heaven created here where we go. Um, so we thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity. We thank you that every day is a new day to see you manifest in us. We thank you, Jesus, that it is you in us, not us. <laughs> we couldn't do nothing on our own, but it is you in us, Jesus, that gives us life, gives us fullness, that animates us, that gives us that excitement, that every day is an opportunity where Jesus is saying, Look what I'm going to do. Look what I'm going to do. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't look at all the, the Russian things that are happening. Don't look to the gas prices. Look to me. I am going to do something good. I promise you. Trust me. We thank you, Jesus. In your name. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was so good. Uh, so you can just stay there a minute, because um, I'll just have you stay up. If people want to come for prayer, we'll have prayer time. I do have a few, two, I was going to say a few sacrifices. Where'd that come from? <laughs> a few announcements uh, to, give, <laughs> to give this morning. We do have lunch. Um, Bob and Julie, I believe, right? Or, is that right? Am I correct there? They're going to be preparing a lunch for us, and uh, we don't have to say anything about daylight savings time. If you hadn't known it by now, it would have been too late <laughs> anyway. So, um, but I did hear it might be the last time. It's possible. They're looking at the possibility that they may not be, we may not be having the switch anymore. We'll see what comes of that. But um, the Wednesday, we have Touchpoint talking about Jesus, our healer, on Wednesdays with Touchpoint. Um, also, just something looking ahead here. Are we ready with uh, the video? There's a uh, Truebridge men's conference coming up, and guest booth pastor at War Road. Uh, sent a video for us to show about that, and so we'll show that now. Good morning, True Bridge Hub. 
Northern Hub Masculine Followers of Jesus. Hello, my name is Gus Booth. I pastor Warwood Community Church. And we at our church have been tasked to put together a great conference for you. Or for you. We as a church just went to visit our visiting speakers conference in Alabama. So the same guy that, that pastors a church down there that really has a, a, a great men's ministry, more like a men's movement, is, is coming to War Road for this conference that you're going to come to on April 1st and 2nd. So here's how I'm going to try to convince you. Listen, if I wanted to know about kingdom finances, I would go to Dave Ramsey, an expert, right? If I wanted to know about, you know, the, how the kingdom can influence, you know, the political realm, I'd go to David Barton or Tony Perkins or somebody like that. But if I want to know how as a masculine father of Jesus to influence our, my, my family and my community and my church, then I would go to Ivy Marsh. That's this guy's name. Uh, I've known him for multiple years now, and he just has a heart to build men, to really build men. You can check him out at I am four, the numeral four, I am four dot TV. He really is uh, amazing, uh, primarily not just because of who he is, but because who Jesus made him. So we hope to see you April 1st and 2nd in War Road. Let's do it. <laughs> Have a great day. Peace. I'm out of here. The tech guy's got Gus straightened out. He was upside down when, when we first started. But knowing Gus, he probably would have said, go for it anyway. <laughs> but uh, if you're interested in that, in our announcements that we send out online this week, you, there will be a link where you can register for that. Um, conference, men's conference. And for our giving of tithes and offerings, we have boxes in the back of the sanctuary here. For those online, you can mail to Box 67, 10 Strike, Minnesota, or go online to our website and give that way. And uh, in these days of inflation, and as we mentioned, you know, we look to the Lord, and we know that He does supply our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he has put it in our hearts that we have a want to give. We have a desire to give of our tithes and offerings. Well, hallelujah. So blessings to you all in the name of Jesus. And uh, like I say, there's a lunch. And if you would like to have prayer, you can come up here and we'll pray with you today whatever that need might be. Praise God. God of Jacob.